When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. This week on Live in the Bream, we have two very special guests to talk about a topic that I think needs more conversation. It's been in the headlines the last couple of years, but there have been people who've been working on this issue far, far uh, beyond that for decades and more. Um, this issue of racial reconciliation, of having conversations about race, and especially in the context of the Christian church, how we could be doing a better job. Churches that have already been working on this, and this isn't new to them. So we have a couple of folks here today. Um, we've got Christian Sagers, by the way, who is a staff writer with the Deseret News. He's a graduate of BYU, and that's the connection, at least initially, with our other guest today, Dr. Derwin Gray, also went to BYU, played football there, he played in the NFL. Um, he's done all kinds of things. He's authored amazing books. And we're going to talk about the brand new one he's got out. But he got his Master's of Divinity Magna Cum Laude at Southern Evangelical Seminary. He's been the lead pastor of Transformation Church just outside Charlotte um, since 2010, I think. So it has yeah. been a while. Um, I want to welcome you both. Thank you for joining me on Living the Brain. Thank, Thank you, you so much. It's our honor. So the name of the new book is How to Heal Our Racial Divide. It is out April 5th. You can get it anywhere you like to pick up your books. So let me start with you, um, Pastor. You know, you talk about the fact that the last couple of years, a lot of us are now having more of these conversations. This has been lifelong for you. Your church is very much aimed at tackling this issue, bringing people together, especially as the body of Christ. Yeah, you, you know, so I didn't grow up as a follower of Christ. Uh, I actually came to faith my fifth year in the NFL in 1997. And my wife came to faith about six months before I did. And so uh, we used to party in the nightclubs. And when we were partying in nightclubs, there were black people, white people, Asian people, Latino people. But then when we became followers of Jesus, it was like we entered 1965. It was like, okay, so you have to go to a white church or you got to go to a, a black church. But as we studied the scriptures, we saw this amazing picture that Jewish people and non-Jewish people called Gentiles came to faith in Jesus and their historical ethnic feuds were broken down by the love of Christ. And so I thought, well, if God could do it 2000 years ago, he can still do it now. And so we're on a mission and a quest to show that Jesus not only forgives sins, but he creates a family of brothers and sisters with different colored skins. And as these families learn to authentically love each other, it does a few things. Number one, it makes the world better. And number two, it shows the world that Jesus actually rose from the dead. Yeah. And what could be a more encouraging message for those of us who need our own redemption, um, for sure. And I love that you point out there are many issues of race in the Bible. Um, we see that all throughout the Old and the New Testament. It's not something that God shied away from or glossed over. I mean, there were very pointed stories. You mentioned, Christian, in the article, um, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. That is such a great picture of the fact that Jesus went to this person who the Samaritans and Jews 
would not have any interaction. I mean, there were deep, deep divides between them. He knows exactly who's going to be at the well when he goes there. And he goes there and he talks to this woman who can't even believe he's talking to her. Uh, and there, there are so many parts of that story that point to this issue that Jesus did not shy away from these divisions in society. Absolutely. If I can jump in, that's that was one of the most captivating parts of of what Derwin Gray has or Pastor Gray has written in his book, which is just laid out super simple. Without race or ethnicity, uh, Jesus wouldn't be a Jew. You know, there wouldn't be that Samaritan interaction. The gospel wouldn't have been opened up to the Gentiles. The Jerusalem wouldn't be under uh, Roman authority. I mean, it just it just when, once you start looking at it, it was a revelation to me, really. Once you just kind of crack it open, it's everywhere. Uh, and I think he did an excellent job pulling that out in his book. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the gospel is so pointed in saying it's for everyone, for the Jew, the Gentile, the slave, the free, I mean, the poor, the rich. It is for anyone who wants to come to Christ. I mean, he comes to this earth to sacrifice for all of us. We're all made in the image of God. And pastor, I think that's something I try to remind myself of because there's so much heated rhetoric. There's so much um, frustration. I think there's a lot of, we, we can be guilty of having the wrong perceptions and assumptions about people before we ever sit down to at a table together and try to find some common ground. Um, and, and I just think people are worried about getting that wrong, about having these difficult conversations and offending someone in the process. How do we do better? Yeah, you, you know, I, I think that one of the beautiful portraits that Jesus shows us is the way you enter into difficult conversation to create relationship is by asking questions and telling a story. And so when Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan for a Jewish audience to hear that a Samaritan was good uh, would have been a cuss word. There's, there's no such thing as a good Samaritan because in Jesus's day, there was a 700 year ethnic feud between Jews and Samaritans. And so when he tells the story of the man coming down from Jerusalem or or, from Jerusalem and going to Jericho and he's robbed and left for dead, we know that he's a Jewish man because he doesn't identify him as a Gentile. And we see that a Jewish priest and a Jewish Levite walk past the dead man. But then it says that the Samaritan saw the man. We cannot love people beyond the label that we give them. And if I can pause here, if we look at someone and say, well, that person's a Republican, that person's a Democrat, Democrat. We've already labeled them. And with those labels come assumptions. And what Jesus teaches us in the Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan, when he saw the Jewish man, it says, and he saw the man and had compassion. God wants us to value the dignity and worth of every human being. What we say at Transformation Church is this, treat everybody like Jesus died for them because he did. And so when we give people honor and dignity and respect, I don't have to agree with everything you agree with to love you. But if I certainly want you to agree with me, love is the way to persuade you. And I think this whole issue of our ethnicity, because there's only one race, the human race. The human race is comprised of different ethnicities. And since the dawn of time throughout the world, 
dark demonic powers, evil and pride have said, okay, let's divide over color of hair, color of skin, all types of things. And Jesus goes, there's one color that unifies and it's my red blood. The red blood that dripped from the cross is the red blood that flows in our veins to create unity. And so we have to begin to see each other as though Jesus actually died for us. We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. So, Pastor, I know that that when everything surfaced the last couple of years, at least to the headlines um, with George Floyd and so many other cases, there was so much pain, so much anguish. And I know that you've said in the article that Christian wrote, um, these aren't new feelings. I mean, these aren't new issues. They may be in the headlines the last couple of years for people, um, but these aren't anything new for the people who have felt this way, um, maybe for their entire lives. So where did we get this wrong, especially in the church? Not to point yeah. fingers, but, but where have we missed the opportunity um, to be better at this? Yeah. So um, as a pastor of a multi-ethnic church and as a pastor with national influence, I train a lot of pastors. And for a lot of my white pastor br- brothers, they've been brought up in a spirituality that says, don't talk about race because one, you could say the wrong thing mm-hmm. or two, you could make people in your pews mad. After George Floyd, I had several of my white pastor friends, they preached on racism and forgiveness and people left ch- the churches in droves, calling mm-hmm. them all types of names. And uh, I mean, just vile things. And they're going, these are people that I, I, I officiated their wedding. I, I baptized their children. And all of a sudden I preach on a gospel issue of racism is a sin. Prejudice is a sin like any other sin. And the gospel deals with that. So I think what happened was, is a lot of my white pastor brothers have been taught you don't talk about these things. And when they did, people were kind of like, hey, wait, wait, you're getting too close. So I think there has to be some gospel challenge and some gospel courage. And we have to be willing to speak the truth in love. And let me pause here. I think this is so, so important. Prejudice is individual. Anybody can be prejudiced. Racism deals more with systemic systems and structures. So case in point, in the history of America, uh, white people have not been treated like Native Americans or enslaved. So racism deals more with systemic structures. Prejudice deals with individual actions. Like there's been times where I've been prejudiced and God has convicted me. Like you don't like when people judge you. So why are you judging (laughs) them before you get to know them? So we have to really go back to the foot of the cross and live from the resurrection to have honest conversations to say things like, you know, uh, Pastor, I was offended when NFL players took a knee at the flag. And, you know, my great granddad fought in World War II. What do you say to that? And I say, I'm thankful that your great granddad fought in World War II because I love my country. But I said, never forget, there were black GIs who fought in World War II who went to Nazi Germany with racists only to come back home to America 
to segregation, lynching, Jim Crow. And so the the flag stands for liberty and justice for all, which I think is a Christian principle, liberty and justice for all. So NFL players who took a knee were not protesting America or the flag. They were saying, take note so that our flag can really represent liberty and justice for all. Every Christian should be for liberty and justice for all. I, I believe those are Christian principles. And so just learning how to have these conversations in love and grace and patience. Yeah. And that requires everyone who comes to the table to, to be humble. I think that that's been a hard thing for you talk about people who left the church who I want to get back to that in a second, because I, I think it comes from a place of fear at least a lot of it. Um, but again, we're talking with Dr. Derwin Gray, who is author of a brand new book, How to Heal Our Racial Divide. He's a pastor, author. That book is out April 5th. And we also have Christian Sagers with us today who wrote this article, Le- uh, Leaning on Jesus to Heal America's Racial Divide in the Deseret News. And that's how you guys connected. Um, Christian, why did you reach out and say, this is something we need to write about, we need to talk about? Well, our relationship has been a good one. I'll Albeit this is the first time we're meeting face to face. We've had a lot of nice email conversations. Pastor Gray has been writing for us for a while as an opinion contributor. And so I was his editor for a good bit of that. And then I just, thanks to Twitter, happened to see that he's coming out with this new book. And I just thought, man, no there's no better person than Pastor Gray to just address this topic. I mean, especially for our, our audience, um, Deseret News readers are largely Christian, largely members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Durban, or Pastor Gray went to BYU, played football. I mean, this is just, this is, he's, he's the guy for our audience. Mm-hmm. And he delivered um, his book really highlights just as I mentioned earlier, some of these really unique aspects of the gospel that we might gloss over or maybe not even address in church. And, and so I just, I, you know, no better time. I just thought this, let's just have this conversation. This is, this, this is going to be an ongoing issue. You can't wait for something else to happen in the news. It needs to happen now. Mm -hmm. And and so that's, that's how it started. Yeah. So again, it's easy to Google leaning on Jesus to heal America's racial divide in the Deseret News. Um, so pastor, I want to get back to this issue of you trying to counsel white pastors who said people just left their church. Yeah. And I remember witnessing many of these conversations and people saying my pastor's gone woke or my pastor is, you know, all about social justice. And I think people operating there came from a place of fear. I think if you're really a Christian, you're trying to follow Jesus you want to see people in his image and you want to have, um, you know, great compassion, humility and acceptance and, and fellowship in the body of Christ. So what do we do about people who react in fear, who say, oh, no, my church is going off the deep end or my pastor is going off the deep end and miss the whole point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and thank you for asking that question. So so the first thing is this is anything that's birthed out of fear is going to be stillborn, meaning there's not going to be any spiritual life. First uh, John four eighteen says this perfect love casts out all fear. So what is the fear? It's a, it's a fear of maybe control. It's a fear of losing power. It's a fear of the other. 
And the reality is, is at God's table of grace, there is more than enough room for everybody. Um, but it, it, it has been difficult to see words like woke, right? So Marcus Garvey, way back in the 30s and 20s, developed the term woke. And woke simply meant be aware to injustices. You know, in the 90s, we used to say stay woke in the African-American community. Now, all of a sudden, the word woke has turned into something that it never was supposed to be. And then when we talk about the word justice, right, justice simply means this, loving and treating people in a way that is right. The only way justice is meted out is socially. I don't use the word social justice because the word has been pillaged. So what I say is this, justice is saying, if someone is being treated in an unfair way as a Christian, it is my job to be a part of creating an environment where people can be loved and treated the right way. Justice is a Jesus thing. If it wasn't, Jesus wouldn't have fed the hungry. Jesus wouldn't have turned over the tables at the temple. At the temple, the Gentiles were experiencing systemic injustice because the Sadducees had bought all of the tax booths from the Roman establishment, and they were not letting the Gentiles in to worship God. They were charging them these absorbent prices, and Jesus, quoting the Old Testament, overturns the tables. That's justice. Justice is a God thing. Life in the womb, to see it live, is, is, is justice. So we have made, uh, during the pandemic, our church has made nearly one million meals for people who are hungry. That's justice. We care about life in the womb. That's justice. Um, we provide backpack meals for kids at school that are poor. That's justice. We care about I- immigrants. That's justice. So justice is simply uh, what love looks like in culture. So for those of us who look around our church and don't see a lot of diversity there, what's our next step? I mean, how do we make that better? Do we leave our church and say, I'm going to go for, you know, to find uh, a congregation that is more diverse so that I will have more friendships with people from different viewpoints and backgrounds. Do we try to change our churches from within um, or do we not have that kind of focus? We just live and, and have good relationships with everyone who comes into our path. What's the best way forward? Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, following Jesus is always the best example. And when you look at Jesus, he was always with people he shouldn't have been with. Oh right. my gosh. He was kind of love that about him. <laughs> he was always with people. He was with like with Gentile women. He went through Samaria. He's telling stories about a good Samaritan, but he's also meeting with Nicodemus, a high ranking Jew. Right. So it starts with your own personal relations. Who is around your dinner table? Who are people that your children see that you look up to and get wisdom from? And then even in your local church, right? If your church is not diverse like our church is, then build relationships with other followers of Jesus to cultivate that. Our church started out intentionally multi-ethnic, but look for ways to connect with people of different ethnicities. But I want to make this 100% clear. 
Our church is a Jesus Christ-centered church. His life, his death, his his resurrection, his grace. And as a result of that, we have a high value of human beings to say, your color and your culture, God gave you. And we want to learn and embrace that because it's in our differences that we become different for the better. I mean, for goodness sakes, what if everybody in the world looked like me? I mean, you'd have 5'11", 260-pound dudes with afros running around. That would be pretty boring. I don't know. It could be interesting. Everybody would be an NFL player. There'd be sports everywhere. <laughs> and their backs would be hurting like mine is now. <laughs> <laughs> it all catches up with us the, the longer we go. I felt it on my run today. Um, Christian, what do you hope that people will get from the article, from the book? What kind of conversation do you hope that that sparks? Well, I hope that we get what you started this podcast with, that we can just have the conversation, which too often doesn't even take place. Um, People like Pastor Gray have been preaching this for a long time. A lot of people don't have a diet of that sort of sermon in their lives. And so we brought up fear earlier. Uh, It could be that a lot of these missed steps or prejudices that we experience do just stem from fear, from a lack of interaction with with people who are different from us. And the only way to change that is just to have those conversations, to to talk to somebody different from you. And I think think you touched on a a good point earlier. Um, Maybe we don't have the most diverse congregations or schools or neighborhoods. Maybe that's just, for whatever reason, a product of geography or something more sinister, but wherever you are, 100%, there's somebody with a heavy burden on their Mm -hmm. back. There's somebody who thinks completely opposite from you politically. There's somebody who has a, a completely different upbringing than you have had. And if, so what I hope I think is if we can at least start to love them the way Jesus would want us to love uh, that's that's just the, the training ground for reconciling all of our racial tensions. Mm-hmm. And Pastor, I'll have you close this out. What do you see moving forward? Are you hopeful in this area that that we're going to get our act together within the church and beyond? I am hopeful. And number one, I'm hopeful because on the third day, Jesus walked out of the tomb. And as long as Jesus is not in that tomb, there's always hope, hope. Hope is a person and that person is alive and well. And I'm hopeful because of Gen Z and younger millennials like Gen Z and younger millennials. If you listen to their music, you see their friend group. um, It's diverse. And we're going to lose a lot of them if our churches do not reflect what they know intuitively is correct. And so I'm seeing Uh, White brothers and sisters of goodwill say, I know this is right, but I don't know the right things to do. And so I wrote How to Heal Our Racial Divide. It's not only a book, but it's a devotional. It, It really cultivates love in your heart. And then it gives you practical, strategic steps. And so my hope is that thousands of people in small groups would read it and it would be like these little flames all over the country. And instead of a forest burning down, racism is burning down and love is growing up. Mm -hmm. 
I love that. That's a great visual to leave us with. Again, the book is How to Heal Our Racial Divide. It's out April 5th by Dr. Derwin Gray. Um, Pastor, thank you. And Christian Sagers of the Deseret News, thank you both so much for this conversation. And I can't wait to see uh, what that book does. I hope uh, to change all of us for the better. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.